Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. This week, we're checking in on our one-week-old homemade cherry bounce. Will this turn out to be the perfect holiday gift, or will it be too tasty to share? We're also featuring all things Irish on this week's episode as we introduce a homemade Irish cream and visit the Emerald Isle with Stefan in our popular Globetrotting Gourmet segment. So grab yourself some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk. Andrea, we are right in the thick of the holiday baking season, and we are so interested to know what our listeners all around the world are baking up this holiday. Yes, I'm so excited. Listeners, if you haven't had a chance, head on over to our Facebook page. You will see a post there from Andrea asking what would the holidays just not be the holidays without coming out of your kitchen? You can also send an email to hosts at preheatedpodcast.com, and we are going to feature some of those in an upcoming episode later this month. That's right. I know for me, pecan pie. If pecan pie does oh. not appear on my table somewhere between Thanksgiving and New Year's, something has gone wrong in my world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. It's a must. It's a must. It's a yeah. must. It goes back to childhood. So I'd love to see what our listeners pick. And I'd love to hear the stories that go along with it, because I think that's often the best part. And definitely let us know where you are baking. We would love to compile a list of where the treat is from, if it is a regional specialty, or just where in the world you're making it. Stefan, in this month of tasty treats, I wanted to bring up One that I found recently that I'm super excited about trying. It is a Mm. homemade hot buttered rum batter. Now, have you ever had a hot buttered rum? Have you ever made homemade hot buttered rum batter? Possibly. What is the difference between hot buttered rum and a Tom and Jerry's batter? Ooh. Do you know? You know, that's a great question. I have Pyrex or maybe Fire King. I can't remember the brand name. But I have some special Christmas dishes, a punch bowl and glasses that say Tom and Jerry mm-hmm. on them. And I always think of the TV show with the mouse and yes. the cat. But I'm sure it is a beverage and I don't know what it is. We'll have to follow up on that. Well, I will have to investigate and report back. So I guess I'll have to say no. I don't think I have. Okay. Well, I have definitely had hot buttered rum around this area in the Pacific Northwest. They sell a brand called Harvey's, and you might recall it from when you were here. It comes in a yellow container with black writing, and I believe it's made by yeah. a man over in Bremerton and has been for okay. years. So I think that's why we see so much of it in our area. And I have been buying it at the store, and I'm always happy to do that. But Michael Gully, who is an online friend of mine in another group that I belong to on Facebook recently posted a photo of these two coffee mugs and they were filled with a delicious looking beverage and he had a stick (laughs) of Kerrygold butter next to it and some nutmeg and I was like what is that? (laughs) I must know. I must know and he said oh it's my hot buttered rum batter and I was like are you kidding me? I didn't know you could make this yourself. So he did give me permission to share his recipe, and it's super easy. It's just one stick of salted butter, three-quarters cup of dark brown sugar, 
half a teaspoon of nutmeg, and a pinch of lemon zest. You mix all those ingredients together until they're smooth, and that's your batter. And to Mm -hmm. make your beverage, you put two tablespoons of this batter, a little more, a little less, depending on your preference and the type of rum that you use and, you know, what flavor you want to be dominant. Okay. You add those two tablespoons into your mug. You add your rum, again, to your preference. And then you fill the mug to the top with boiling water, mix it around until that batter dissolves. Of course, you can top it off with a little whipped cream and a sprinkle of nutmeg. This, to me, is just a really decadent way to end the evening or start the day. (laughs) I mean, anything starting with a stick of butter has my seal of approval. Yeah, I know a lot of people drink that bulletproof coffee, which is the butter and the coconut oil. That's right. Um, So this probably has a similar kind of mouthfeel, but definitely with a more holiday festive feel to it. Well, I will check it out. And it also reminds me of one of my favorite Christmas songs, which is by one of my favorite singers, Mary Chapin Carpenter. And on her Come Darkness, Come Light album, which is a Christmas album, she has a song called Hot Buttered Rum. So I encourage you and listeners to check it out. It's lovely. Oh, that's good. I'm sort of anti- holiday beverage songs because I'm scarred by <laughs> Seattle's Latte Land. Is that one you're... No, no, no. No, no, okay. no. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. No, Mary Chapin, true professional. Okay. This is just a cozy song about your sweetheart. So it's really nice. Okay. I'll tell. I'll check that out. And I'm sorry to put that other song in your head, perhaps. Earworm. Well, Andrea, all month we are talking about tipsy treats, both beverages that you can gift or sip on yourself, as well as desserts that have additional alcohol in them. But we wanted to be cognizant of the fact that not everyone wants to drink or might be serving or gifting to people who don't drink. And here are a few non-alcoholic tipples, Andrea, that have caught my eye recently. Okay. The first is a raspberry cordial, and this is very similar in method to the cherry bounce that we're going to review in a few minutes. It is non-alcoholic, and it can be used in a similar way. I was very interested to see, Andrea, that the ingredients, which are simply raspberries, sugar, the third ingredient is vinegar. Oh. I know that's a really old-fashioned ingredient, making something called a shrub, which have kind of have a popular resurgence. I know in the States and possibly here in England as well, this is an English recipe, but you simply boil that down with some raspberries, sugar, and the vinegar, mash it, run it through a sieve, and then add some water. So if you were interested in the cherry bounce, in the color, in the flavor even, that's an option. You could then stir it with some tonic, with some sparkling water, and have a really nice non-alcoholic drink there. Would you like to hear my shrub story? Always. <laughs> Did you know I had a shrub story? <laughs> I, I surmised you might. <laughs> um, so I was first introduced to this type of beverage at the Pock Pock restaurant in Portland. Oh. Yeah, And um, they served what were called drinking vinegars. And so it was yeah. this sweet, fruity, like a raspberry cordial, sweet, sweet, fruity beverage. And then they would pour soda water into it to make kind of this sparkling, non-alcoholic cocktail. And the sweet fruitiness could be things like pineapple basil or apple ginger. You know, they always had a little bit of a something different to them. And we got addicted to those. They weren't cheap. So I went about (laughs) figuring out how to make my own. And that's when I found out, you know, shrubs and drinking vinegars are very similar. So I found a recipe on the Splendid Table, and it was a recipe based on proportions instead of measurements, and it said you would take an equal amount of fruit with the same amount of sugar. 
And Mm -hmm. I thought, well, this can't be right because I wouldn't take, you know, one pound of raspberries and one pound of sugar. And so I had written the recipe author to say, could I get the correct measurements? And she said, no, that is correct. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. And I did use this recipe and we did make our own drinking vinegars for a while. But it's kind of like making your own sausage. You know, you you get to the point where you're like, I don't really want to know (laughs) what went in here. So I prefer to just buy it in the store. and not see how much sugar's in it. Well, you're absolutely right. With this recipe I'm referencing with the raspberry cordial, it's from BBC Good Food, and it's 500 grams of raspberries, 500 grams of caster sugar. Okay. So that must be a very common way to do these yeah. to do these shrubs or drinking vinegars. Yeah. yeah, anyway, we'll take a look. I mean, they're delicious, very fruity, very festive with that nice red color. And you really don't use a lot when you're making your beverage. So you might put, right. let's say, two ounces in a... 12 ounce uh, beverage that you're making. So it's even though there is a lot of sugar in the ingredients, you're not ending up with a super sugary drink. The next one is a gin-free gin and tonic. And Andrea, oh. <laughs> the prevalence of non-alcoholic gins in this country is phenomenal. Is this a trend you're seeing at all in the U.S.? I have never seen non-alcoholic gin. It is supposed to taste like gin, just not have the alcohol. So this is kind of a do-it-yourself. It's really fruity. It's really spicy. And it has cardamom, cucumber, a chamomile tea bag, mint, lemon, cloves, rosemary. And you boil those all down, leave to steep for a little bit, and then strain it into the glass and top up with tonic. So it's really more if you want to fool yourself into having a gin and tonic but don't want any of the alcoholic effects of that. I'm very interested because I love all of those ingredients. I really am interested to see how that tastes. That is interesting. Uh, Gin is one of the few alcohols that I don't like the taste or the smell of. So I I really shouldn't be counted on as a reliable source to know whether or not there's non-alcoholic gin in the stores because I just completely skipped that aisle. I never really even look there. So I love all those ingredients you mentioned, though. I love cardamom. That's actually a really interesting combination there. Yeah, there are definitely fascinating ingredients in that one. Um, And the final one, just to kind of come full circle with your hot buttered rum, another alternative is a vanilla chai hot toddy. This is from the Tesco Food Magazine, and it could be either non-alcoholic or you could add some rum to this. So using those gummy chai tea bags and some vanilla beans, cinnamon stick, brown sugar, honey, almond milk. And then some star anise, possibly, you know, those are so pretty this time Mm, of year, those little star anise. And then you could add rum. You could also add whipping cream on top. But if you don't do that and you just go with the almond milk, that also makes this one dairy-free, which I know is a consideration for some folks too. So I will post all of those links up on the uh, show sheets for this episode, which is episode 102. Let's move right into this week's recipe review, and that is the Cherry Bounce from Kathy Barrow from the Washington Post. Full disclosure, I personally made this Cherry Bounce more than a week ago, so (laughs) I do have a little bit of information to share about how it ages. It is a very simple recipe. Um, It is one pound of cherries, two and three quarters cups of sugar, and then four cups of vodka, rum, cognac, bourbon, rye, or grain alcohol. I went with the vodka because I had some cheap vodka in my house. How about you, Stefan? Which alcohol did you use? I actually split this recipe, so I made two smaller batches, one with vodka, one with rum. Oh, okay. Oh, good. So you'll actually have two different uh, flavor profiles to tell us about. That's kind of exciting. I will, yes, and they are very different. This recipe is definitely one you want to make ahead 
the fruit mixture needs to cure in a sunny indoor spot for one week. That was kind of fun. I had it on my kitchen counter and a lot of people were like, oh, what is that? Because it's really pretty and you see those dark cherries floating yeah, about. Yeah. Then you move it to a dark place and you let it cure for another 40 days. So I made mine on November 10th. And so I'm not at the full 40-day mark, but I definitely have a couple of weeks behind me. Once you have made mm-hmm. it, you go ahead and you can strain it. I can talk later about what you might want to do with those cherries, but the liqueur or the cordial, you can go ahead and drink. Boy, when I drank this, <laughs> I could not believe what an alcohol bomb it was. <laughs> it puts hair on your chest, like my grandpa used to say, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting that. Um, she said that if you wanted the really that pure cherry flavor to go with vodka as opposed to the other liqueurs, and I tell you, all I taste in this is alcohol. I mean, there's definitely a little bit of cherry there, but it is so strong. I got nervous Mm. and I went back and I looked at the recipe and I'm like, no, I did the recipe correctly. And I went online and I looked at some other recipes. Now, this is where it got interesting. So this particular recipe is one pound of cherries, almost three cups of sugar, four cups of vodka. I found other recipes that were 10 pounds of cherries with three cups of sugar and four cups of vodka. Whoa. I'm wondering if this particular recipe is a little more alcohol forward than typical, but maybe that was just me. Why don't you let us know what your experience was? I'd say that taste-wise, I had a similar reaction with my vodka mixture, and mine has been curing since November 4th, so you know, about a week longer than yours. I also noticed that it was lighter than my rum. So definitely Mm. you can tell a difference that way as well. I thought it was just something I would not sip. I would stir it into a cocktail. And one of the cocktails that I want to try is called a Mount Vernon Mule, which you might remember (laughs) when we introduced this last episode, in episode 102, we noted that the Cherry Bounce historically has been rumored to be George Washington's favorite tipple. So, of course, Mount Vernon is home. And, of course, Moscow Mule, Andrea, is the vodka with the lime juice and uh, ginger beer. And I love that cocktail. I love ginger beer. So I'm really excited to try the variation with the Cherry Bounce because I think that will be a really nice twist on that cocktail. But as far as an aperitif or just sipping this in a cordial glass, it was too astringent for me. It was too strong. And I might wait a little longer. This might be one of those times where you do want to age it that full 40 days. Mm -hmm. It might get mellower as it ages. I don't know. I'll be waiting to see that. I'm really glad you shared that Mount Vernon mule recipe. I also love a Moscow mule. I think I've told you my tip before, which is I freeze the ginger beer into ice cube trays. So that's a really nice way to um, not not water the drink down, but get that ginger flavor all throughout it. And I think with the cherry bounce in it, it will be really good, especially with the lime. So I'm looking forward to that. Just drinking it straight was too much for me. However, my rum version was completely different. Okay. It was almost syrupy in a way. So it was much thicker. And I don't know Mm -hmm. enough about alcohol, but perhaps that's just because rum is a heavier alcohol than vodka by weight. I don't know. I I guess maybe that's true. But it was a syrupy concoction, and it was just very pleasant to have a few sips of. So in that regard, I might be more inclined to put that in a cordial glass or to just have it over some ice on the rocks. 
Although I think last episode I'd also suggested making a cocktail like a nice boozy rum and Coca-Cola using the rum um, infused cherry bounce. But that was really interesting and I'm so glad that I did both because I really liked the rum version on its own much better than the vodka version. Oh, I'm glad you tried that too. I don't know. I was thinking if I did this again, I would just up the cherry content, but maybe I'll do that instead as try a different alcohol. Now, I know in the past, I think you've mentioned that you use a blackstrap molasses rum. Is that the type of rum that you used or did you just use sort of a regular, like we talked about using kind of bottom shelf liquors for this? Yeah, this wasn't a special rum. In fact, I think it was just a Captain Morgan maybe or something similar to that. And that blackstrap molasses is delicious. That was in the States. I'm not even sure we've looked for that here. But yeah, that would have been a very high-end kind of flavored rum almost. And that's not what I use. So yeah, just a really basic rum. Okay. And what about the cherries? What are you doing with those? I did frozen. Could not find fresh here. So I did frozen. They were Bing cherries as well, a dark red cherry. If they weren't Bing specifically, they were a Bing equivalent. So a dark red, very sweet cherry. And uh, they were beautiful. And and like I said, too, the vodka version is a little bit lighter. And the rum is definitely a very deep, deep burgundy. So it's very, they're both really pretty. I had an image of you sitting at a table for hours with your brand new cherry pitter. Thanks, mom. You guys, my mom sent me that cherry pitter I wanted so much for my birthday. So, <laughs> Well, I also used frozen cherries, and they, they were beautiful. When you look at the recipe, it'll tell you to put a little X in the fresh cherries to make sure that you're allowing the juice to come out. But my frozen ones were uh, – they were. I felt they were banged up enough that yeah, you know yeah. I, I I didn't need to pierce them at all. Okay, so that's the cherries that went into the recipe. But how about the cherries now that are soaking in the bounce? What are you going to do with those cherries? So the alcohol infused cherries. Well, Andrea, in episode one hundred and four, we are going to tackle everything you can do with your boozy fruit. So stay tuned for that. Oh, excellent. Okay, good to know because I've just been eating them. So oh, that's a viable option. <laughs> But watch out because they're potent. They are potent, but I guess I should save a few. So thanks for that heads up. Well, Andrea, moving on to our next tipsy beverage this month. It is the homemade Irish cream. This is from a blog that's new to us. It's Adriana, and her blog is called A Cozy Kitchen, perfect for this time of year. I know. I love that title. Now, Andrea, full confession, my husband and I have a holiday tradition of having some Baileys over ice while watching It's a Wonderful Life because, of course, George Bailey, title character. So Baileys with Bailey, and I have never made it. And this looks like a wonderful recipe. As opposed to the cherry bounce, this only needs maybe an hour in the fridge to get cold so you can make it up maybe even before your dinner and have it as an after-dinner drink for your guests. Looks very easy, very delicious. Have you made an Irish cream before, Andrea? No, and full confession, um, I like Bailey's in my coffee. So, <laughs> um, but, yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't? But you know, just as I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, that there are certain foods that I could eat all year round, but I just don't. Bailey's yep. is that way for me. I enjoy it. Let's say on Thanksgiving morning when I'm doing all the food prep, I might put a little Bailey's in my coffee, or you know, maybe Christmas morning or or that type of thing. But yeah. I know you can use Bailey's throughout the entire year, but I don't. No, it is a wintertime beverage for me. I went to the pantry. I thought I better taste some first um, before I made my homemade. So I've already found two bottles of Baileys in my pantry, both which (laughs) had about one inch left in them. So... (laughs) 
Well, I hope you had some good coffee recently then. I did. Yeah, I was super annoyed with myself for letting that happen. But that's okay. Those uh, pantry issues will emerge later. And perhaps in January, I'll share some of my pantry issues with you. But um, in the meantime, I did go ahead and taste my Bailey. So I'm excited about making my own because I know sort of what I'm shooting to replicate. And this does have the addition of coffee granules. I'm not sure that Bailey's has as much coffee. This is more almost like a Kahlua in some regards with that mocha flavor going to be at the forefront. So that should be really interesting too. Yeah, I think so too. So this particular recipe for the homemade Irish cream, it does have a cup of heavy cream and some chocolate syrup, some instant coffee granules, a little bit of salt, a can of sweetened condensed milk, and some vanilla extract, and of course that cup of Irish whiskey. So Stefan, are you going to have to go to the store and purchase some Irish whiskey? Has your delivery already come? My delivery has come. The bottle of Jameson's awaits. I am ready to go. I also have some metric equivalents for folks who might want to make this. I did measure some of these ingredients for you in my scale. So here you go for that cup of heavy cream. Mine was double cream and it weighed 250 mils. The two tablespoons of chocolate syrup. I use Lyle's dessert chocolate syrup, 46 mils. My can of sweetened condensed milk is 397 grams, and a cup of Irish whiskey is also 250 mils. So hopefully that will help you if you are not in the U.S. and would like to whip this up this week. Well, back it up, sister. What is Lyle's <laughs> chocolate syrup? I am oh. just planning on stealing my daughter's Hershey's. I'm so excited. Of course, a huge fan of Lyle's golden syrup, which I use. Yeah. I eat on literally everything. I mean, it's just constant rotation. I'm buying one like once a week. Little did I know that the good folks at Lyle's also make dessert chocolate syrup is what it's called. And it's it's very much like a Hershey's, but even better because I think maybe the base is a golden syrup. Or I, I really have to, to look at the label a little harder, but uh, I think it's going to be really good. I'm pretty sure we don't have that here in the States only because I, since you told me about Lyle's, I have been buying it. And I've noticed when I buy it, there's several options. They sell it in a pretty can. They yep. sell it in a glass jar. They sell it in a plastic bottle. I feel like I would have noticed if there was a chocolate one, but I'll look more carefully. If they don't have it here, I'm going to propose an exchange. I will send you semi-sweet chocolate chips if you will send me <laughs> Lyle's golden chocolate syrup. Well, it should be fairly easy. It's a plastic plastic bottle. It's not super heavy. So I call that a fair exchange. Consider it done. (laughs) Excellent. I can't wait. Keeping the postal service alive, too. That is really something that gets me very excited. Well, folks, we will have both of those recipes. That was the Cherry Bounce from the Washington Post. And then this week's Bake Along or Brew Along, which is the homemade Irish cream from A Cozy Kitchen, up on our website in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 103, as well as on our Facebook page. Listeners, it's time to fasten your seatbelts for another globe-trotting gourmet, and this time, Stefan, you are reporting from the Emerald Isle, Ireland. That's right. My family and I went to the Republic of Ireland for a recent school break, and we soaked up the beautiful fall weather and the legendary Irish charm, and of course, some great food. Well, I have never been to Ireland, so I'm all ears, or should I say all stomach. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, I went to Ireland already a longtime fan of one of its most popular exports, the Irish soda bread. But I hadn't realized to what extent the Irish take their quick bread to a whole other level. Each meal was served with at least half a loaf of sliced bread of various types, and each place we went had their own twist on the classic soda bread. 
Some had lots of nuts. Uh, dried fruit made an appearance. Some used white flour. Some used whole wheat. I had one with poppy seeds. If you haven't made this kind of quick bread, it's really easy and it's also exceptionally delicious. And I like to think it's pretty healthy too. <laughs> Traditional soda bread uses buttermilk and baking soda, or bicarb, instead of yeast for its rise. I mean, I've been making my version that has whole wheat flour and pinhead oats for years, but I tried two new quick breads on our trip that, though they technically weren't soda breads, I cannot wait to make it home. The first was a treacle, or molasses, and stout bread that was on the sweeter side. Mm. And the second was a beer bread that veered a little more savory. And I really thought of you on that one, Andrea. Oh, yeah. In both of those, the yeast and the carbonation in the beer helps with the rise. And I found two recipes that seem really similar to the ones I ate. So I will post them in the show sheets for this episode also. Um, it's episode 103. And of course, all of this bread was served with a crock of delicious Irish butter. I think it's just time to plant my flag, Andrea, and declare Irish butter my favorite butter in the world. Yeah, I, I'm comfortable making that stand <laughs> as well. Um, in fact, I do have a late-breaking butter update oh. when I was doing my recent uh, grocery shopping at my local Costco. They have always sold the Kerrygold butter in the three-pack for mm -hmm. $8.99. Mm -hmm. And when I walked into the cold room, which I always try and get in and out of as quickly as possible because it's so cold, I saw that the price was $9.99. And part of me was like, oh, darn it, the price has gone up. But you really can't complain because it's still such a deal over regular grocery stores. And then when I grabbed it and got it home, I realized now they put four sticks of butter. So the hey. price actually went down. Way to go. When was the last time we said that about any butter? I know. And especially a premium, high-fat quality butter. So we are both longtime fans of Kerrygold butter, which we can readily get in the States. Yeah, absolutely. So along those butter lines, I was really <laughs> delighted, of course, I was delighted to find an ice cream that also uses milk from Kerry cows. So to deviate a little into agriculture here, Kerry cows are a rare breed of cattle that's native to Ireland, and they're thought to be one of the oldest cattle breeds in Europe. But I was shocked to hear there's a very small number of Kerry cows left in Ireland. So I felt that buying numerous ice creams did a little bit to help. You're just doing your part. I am. There are also some Kerry cows in the UK and in North America. And in fact, U.S. farmers have been helping the Irish farmers with breeding to save the cows. Oh, good. But back to ice cream. It's called Murphy's, and we visited their store in Dingle, which is on the Atlantic coast. And my family and I loved the sea salt, chocolate, brown bread, caramel, whiskey. Um, and if that sounds like we tasted just about every flavor on offer, you are not wrong. I had not thought of Ireland as a hotbed of ice cream, but this was so creamy and rich, just like you'd expect from Kerry Milk. I do want to ask you about the brown bread mm. ice cream so was yes. it like bread crumbs was it like chunks of bread both oh my gosh they all started and they would tell you they all started with just a custard base so the the good milk and the eggs and it was very creamy and then they would add in so when you looked at many of these ice creams they looked very similar it wasn't until you tasted them that something would taste different oh okay but the bread did kind of have 
crumbs and then chunks of that delicious I think it was a stout bread uh, one of the sweeter quick breads Mm -hmm. wow yeah oh my gosh that sounds so good yeah I mean it's definitely among the best ice creams I've ever eaten so I encourage anyone to stop by a Murphy's if you're visiting Ireland Uh, they have many stores all over the country and you can help the carry cows and enjoy a scrumptious treat at the same time (laughs) reason enough to book a ticket as far as I'm concerned That's right. Did anything else tickle your taste buds while you were there? Something else I experienced a few times during our visit, it might not be Irish, but it might be a new trend in desserts. So, Andrea, have you been offered an accompanying beverage to complement your dessert? I'm not talking about something you order on the side, but rather it just comes automatically. It's part of the package. Hmm. No, I mean, I have had desserts that have had like a sweet wine or a port that's been paired with it, but it wasn't like it just came with it. It was more like, would you like to order this to go with your dessert? Right. And these just showed up without my asking. So, (laughs) (laughs) okay, I'll try it. The first one was a fizzy apple gin cider that was on the side of an apple souffle I ordered one night. And then my daughter and I started our afternoon tea with a fizzy pear lemonade. And both were served in tall shot glasses and had a foamy top, which reminded me of like an amaretto or a whiskey sour. And I believe Mm -hmm. it's from egg whites. Yes. So both of these beverages were thicker than a normal lemonade or a cider, really concentrated and syrupy. And they were a really nice touch with both the desserts and the tea. Oh, interesting. It's like a dessert bonus. And finally, I have to share, it's not really dessert, but I have to mention it because it fits into this month's tipsy theme so well. On my last breakfast in Ireland, I ordered the oatmeal. Healthy choice, right? Right. Well, this one came with a side of whiskey-soaked sultanas and a shot of Bailey's. (laughs) Hipsy breakfast porridge. (laughs) I can't wait to go back. Let's see. So you had Bailey's with your breakfast. You had butter with every meal. This is definitely sounding like my kind of place. I can't wait to visit either. Thank you so much for giving us the rundown on your eating adventures in Ireland. That sounds wonderful. Absolutely. Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get the icing onto this episode. Next week, we'll find out if our homemade Irish cream gives Bailey's a run for its money. And we'll grab more whiskey and introduce a chilled souffle made with chocolate and butterscotch. Finally, we'll take a dip into some fruit gifts made merry with alcohol, from a classic Danish rum toff to the more modern maraschino cherry. Remember, you can find us in our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at Preheated Pod. If you like our show, please tell a friend and subscribe. Also, consider ranking and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download our show. Until next time, I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Thanks for listening, and sweet dreams. Down the street, something's doing When you smell coffee brewing Espresso is steam You start with a dream Sipping in Seattle's latte land Preheated is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions. Starting over.